Hey everybody, this is uh, Sean Upperson with Sane 12 Games, and I'm here to uh, hang out with my good buddy on uh, Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody, this is John. And this is Vince. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Hey everybody, it's uh, episode 111. We've got Sean on, obviously. We're going to be talking about Click Click Boom tonight, um, along with some other things for... uh, that are going on with Thing 12 Games and, you know, maybe just some geek stuff in general. But uh, before we jump into all that, I wanted to let you all know that... uh, Pod Chaser is a, is a thing that's going on right now in beta. Uh, we have a key for that if you want to check that out. It's uh, beta.podchaser.com. There's links in the show notes maybe, but I know I made a post on the site. So if you use code Legends of Tabletop, all one word, all lowercase, uh, you can get on in, in there. And uh, they do a cool thing where you can not only get in and find shows, but you can also look at and rate individual episodes as well. Uh, so if you super love tonight's episode, you can get in there and give it a five stars, leave it a great review. Uh, if you hated it, I, I guess you probably go leave a review too, but I mean, like, whatever. Uh, but make sure you leave some some constructive criticism because that's always helpful. Uh, so check that out. Again, it's a Legends of Tabletop, all lowercase. Uh, get in there and hopefully you'll leave us a review. We appreciate that. Thank you to the people that have already left us reviews. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, I guess maybe we should start saying for people jumping in and, and may not know, this will also be available as an MP3. Uh, it's usually the uh, the shows follow up a day or so later on the uh, on the feed. So uh, keep that in mind, I guess. And uh, hey, Sean, what's going on? How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good. Slow but sure. Slow and steady wins the race and all that. <laughs> Yeah, things have been uh, a little crazy over here, uh, not just from the Kickstarter standpoint, but it's also con season. So uh, hitting all the all the conventions over here in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've been uh, you've been super busy with, with stuff with Thing 12. You're you guys are running all over the place. You're all over social media. You've been uh, super busy. <laughs> yes, uh, I basically don't sleep <laughs> maybe three hours a night. <laughs> well, I'm getting more than you, but I feel you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, so last time we had John, we had John for Dicer Crown, successfully funded, uh, fulfilled end of, of 2016. I've got my copy. We play it. I don't want to say often, but we do play it. We you know we get it to the table as much as we can. Um, had how was fulfillment? Had everything go? How was the, was the wrap up? Everything go smooth? It did really. Uh, we had a couple people that um, had a couple issues, but that was because they didn't do their pledge manager. Uh, but as far as like things that were on our side, everything went really smooth. Um, and you know, th- I think there was like a couple of people that had a problem with the product that arrived to them because of shipping or whatever. So we just got them out, you know, replacements. So um, you know, hopefully we proved to people that not only can we give them a product that's you know solid and good and, and quality, uh, but that we're able to do that in, in roughly the time that we're, we're mentioning and, you know, we stay in communication and all that sort of stuff. So you know, we're trying to do right by, uh, by everybody that was backing us. And, and it seems like, um, 
the word of the mouth is that it's you know everybody has been enjoying it um we got onto distribution, so we were going through um, hit point sales, and hit point sales got us through GTS. Uh, Geek and Sundry mentioned us for uh, for tabletop day. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, we had a positive mention from the PAX guys when we were at PAX South. Uh, we've uh, place, places have been selling out of it. We're almost completely out. Uh, oh, we're nice. actually getting ready to do uh, another print, uh, second print of the game. So, um, in in conjunction with that, one of the things that we're working on is the follow up Dice of Pirates, which is pretty cool. We've got the uh, the core rules of Dice of Pirates locked down, um, and we've been doing a lot of uh, play testing with that through Playtest Northwest and and Badger, and uh, people that have played Dice of Crowns, that played Dice of Pirates, one of the things that they they say is that it it feels um, not completely different, but it feels different enough, right? So they, they go into the game going, okay, I, I get where these mechanics are going, some of these things are kind of familiar, but then there's some new things that really uh, they find interesting because there's this um, there's this direct combat uh, mechanic that's in the game, where you can just like straight up go at someone, and you have this like real time dice roll off, which uh, is pretty cool. So we're working on some uh, some advanced rules uh, for the game, and finishing up the art and that sort of stuff. And uh, we're targeting to have that up on Kickstarter this year. So excited for that! <laughs> cool, very cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you how dice are or. Um... Dice of Pirates is going and Pirates, so that's awesome. And then you've got, uh, you know, Disney releasing, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, so I don't think that's going to hurt you guys at all, right? Yeah, as long as, I mean, one of the things for us is making sure that our product looks different enough. We don't want to uh, incur the wrath of the Disney lawyers. <laughs> and so far it does. Like, our Pirates have a, um, a real kind of punk rock sort of vibe to them and and the look that it's going for um i think people are going to really dig it the icons look really cool um the dice are going to be these black dice rather than white uh with icons that um are in the same um i guess uh, uh quality vibe that dice of crowns was so uh we're gonna have some different things in there for people that I think they're they're gonna enjoy and, and uh, have fun with. And one of the other things that we're working on is um, having an element that allows those two games, Dice of Pirates and Dice of Crowns, to work together. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, if you bring Dice of Pirates and I bring Dice of Crowns, uh, there's some things that we can do within a game um, with the two of us having those at the table together. What exactly that is, we're still working out, so I can't really say too much about it. But uh, uh, that is something that we're we're aiming for. Cool. But now you just need a dice of ninjas, because then you'll have ninjas and pirates, and that's apparently <laughs> a thing. So. Right. <laughs> Well, there is a third dice of game. I'm not going to say what it is, but uh, we are we are, we were looking at this as a trilogy when we originally started Dice of Crowns. So, uh, once Pirates is done, then uh, we'll start uh, we'll start in on the third of the Dice of trilogy before we uh, branch off into some other cool stuff. Nice, nice, cool. Uh, so, your new game, Click Click Boom, which unfortunately we did not get a chance to review. It was like right before vacation. I was trying to get some extra editing done. I felt bad. I was like, ah, shit. But <laughs> no, guys, guys okay. are doing well, and you know, uh, it, it's on its way to to being fully funded. And uh, and of course, Kurt over at the MFG cast, he got a copy over there, and uh, Logan loves it, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love the uh, 
the things that Logan was wanting to see in the game, like, hey, guess what? We've already got those things. Because <laughs> uh, um, one of the things that we didn't have in the the copies that we had sent out were names for the characters. And so I'd actually finalized those like about a week after the review copies got sent out. So it's like, hey, Logan, don't worry, we've already, we've got the we've got names for the characters now. So that was that was on the on the docket. Right. So he's got a little designer on his hands already. It's like, hey, you're missing this. You're missing this. Right. <laughs> I appreciate that. That was pretty cool. Good good for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and you guys won another Lucy Award this year for Click Click Boom. That's we awesome. Congrats. Two years in a row, baby. Woo. Yeah. Yep, uh, we won uh, players, uh, players for, or uh, people's choice again. Uh, mm-hmm. Dice of Crowns won players' choice or people's choice uh, for last year, and and uh, Click Click Boom won it again uh, for this year. So that was that was pretty cool. I'm glad to see people that were really enjoying it, and that's one of the things like. Much like when we were doing demos for Dice of Crowns, every time we play it with people, like they really enjoy it. Um, it's so for for those that don't know, I should explain what the game is. Click, click, boom. There it is. going to show up backwards. <laughs> click, click, moob uh, is a, a bluffing game of Russian roulette. So um, Russian roulette being kind of a, a dark theme, one of the things that we wanted to do was have an art style that counterbalanced that sort of uh, dark theme and kept it light and, and comical. So like, here we go. There's, uh, you know, one of the raccoon characters, one of the... Fox characters, and uh, you know, there's Jill Jackrabbit right there. Um, so we wanted the sort of, um, you know, a light, accessible art style. And, you know, if, if someone gets blown up in the game, it's sort of a, like a Looney Tunes-esque, sort of like a bomb going off. So it's not bloody, it's not gory or anything like that. And uh, that's one of the things that people really have enjoyed about it, that it's it does keep it light. Um, you know, Logan, you know, for is a good example, like you you can play this with kids, you can play it with uh, people that are more gamerly uh, minded. So it's been pretty cool. Um, so what, uh, I'll jump into the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Click Click Boom is, like I said, a bluffing game of Russian roulette. And the thing that sets it apart from a lot of different types of games uh, in that genre is that, um, you never get to look at your hand of cards. So much like um, oh, Hanabi, I think, is the game that kind of inspired me a little bit. I love that mechanic of, uh, in Hanabi, you don't get to look at your hand. So for example, I'd be showing this to everybody, and I'd be like, I have no idea. I can see myself. So but uh, so I would be turning to the person on my left and say, hey, tell me a card to play. And they would pick one for me. And everybody at the table can comment on what that person's doing. And then... I would put that card down, so let's say it's that one. And then I'd turn to the person on my right and say, okay, now what card should I play? Now they're going to pick one for me as well. And everybody, again, can comment on each person's choice. And you just go around the table and do that. The the social, there's kind of a social deduction element almost in it. So as you watch people, how they interact with each other, you start to build up some information about what they could possibly have chosen for you. Like if I see someone pick a boom for you, I'm like, hmm, that's pretty sketchy. They may have done the exact yeah. same thing for me. I don't know that I really want to choose their card or you know, someone's really being you know sketchy around the table, right? Yeah, okay, I'm gonna go with this guy. You can try and make alliances with people. If someone has a lot more coins going on, you're like, okay, look, let's not kill each other. Let's go after this person, rob them blind. 
and then we'll then we'll sort everything out. <laughs> so once everybody has a card to choose, has uh, two cards in front of them, you have to choose one of them. Everybody chooses one, and you flip it over and reveal what happened. Uh, either either uh, losing coins to the pot, players are stealing coins from you, or you're playing the boom card. And uh, the the other interesting aspect of that is you don't necessarily want to play. You have to be careful what you're choosing because players are going to be passing cards to the left and to the right. So if you picked a boom for someone there's a and you're you know the one that's going to be receiving a card, it's a good chance that they're going to be giving you that boom card that you picked if mm-hmm. they can figure out what's going on. So, you know, we'll have games where, you know, someone, you know, raises their hand up and all of a sudden they everybody sees that uh, you know, and they're they've got three cards left and all three are booms. And then they look around the table and they're like, "Okay, well, you don't have a boom in your hand." You don't have a boom in your hand. Oh crap! I've got them all. Oh no! <laughs> I've made poor life choices. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of you know it's it's light. Uh, each round takes like ten minutes to play. Uh, a full game is usually about twenty twenty five because you play three rounds, and a uh, person at the end with the most money wins. Just like it's pretty like simple. We do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I was watching the uh, the act the the playthrough video that you posted the other day, and uh, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Like just enough social deduction, right? Like Jeremy said, it's a good you know fun party drinking game. You know, oh you know, yeah, drinks, you're like no way, that guy's totally screwing you over. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that um, my my finance guy lives down in San Francisco, and he plays with his group, and they they turned it into a drinking game, like a literal drinking game. Nice. So whenever you play the boom, you have to take a shot. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, That's gamers for you. <laughs> exactly. Let's put away this. How can we turn this into something a little more, uh, a little more edgy? Sure, why not? <laughs> right, right. And it's interesting too. Like I don't do a lot of social deduction games. Like we were playing Love Letter at work today, so like. Like that's about my level of social deduction. Like click, click, boom would be something that I could I could get in. Um, but, you know, I played coup and resistance and some of those things. Like it's not my first go-to. Mm-hmm. And then when you're saying, oh, like you can make deals, you can do it. Like it wouldn't even occur to me while playing. Like you know, being sort of like, oh man, don't trust them. Or like you know, even if you could or couldn't, like just to right. kind of throw miscues out there. But to be like, hey let's take this guy out or let's take all this guy's money. Like it just wouldn't even occur to me as a player to like be that meta about it, I guess. Right. So that's actually one of the things that uh, in our rule book, we actually give an example of people playing around so they can get an idea of like, Oh, these are the kind of things I could do because you know, I've, I've seen some people play and they're just like, they're, they're stone faced. They never say anything um, during the, during the Lucy, um, nominations uh, uh we had a bunch of different judges that uh talked to us about the games and they played them all and, and they had this like shark tank grilling session and one of the one of the judges had some problems with it and he, he felt like he wasn't able to be successful in the game and what i told him was like well in in the game that we played you were completely silent and so yeah. people were calling out your card like oh don't pick his card he's he's playing a steal on you or don't pick his card he's playing a boom and he never responded to it. I go, what you need to do when someone's doing that is come back and go, no, don't believe him. I, I, I didn't pick up home for you. Yeah, you need to like respond to that and try and get them on your side and undermine their position. That's how you know you kind of get to get into it. One of the other interesting things I've noticed is that uh, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a good liar. Like you could just be completely honest about 
you know, about things. You know, someone's like, uh, you know, uh, asks you like, well, what'd you pick? You either can say nothing or just say, well, I picked a, I picked a steel for you. Yeah, yeah. And then the other person to their to their left or their right, you know, maybe uh, someone that's better at bluffing and lying, and may try and undermine you, which could help you out. So it's it's interesting that people that they're like, oh, I'm not a good bluffer. Like, you can still do well at the game, and not have those sort of like meta skills. Sure, sure. Like the, I, you know, we're gonna have to get Jeremy in on one of these things. He's posting stuff up in the chat. This is like a like a quick paced uh, like poker face game, you know, like with the bluffing aspect. Uh -huh. like, oh, you know, this and that. So, yeah, it, it's it's cool. I mean, it it looks like a really fun game um, and quick, which is like completely my thing. Like I'm I'm a filler game, light strategy guy. Like I like, you know, some of the more in depth stuff, but like. That's that's my wheelhouse. You know, you can play either a ton of games all at once of one thing, or play like four or five different games. You know, of, you know, different filler games. Like that, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, this was something that um, I had designed just kind of on the side, and I wanted to see like kind of where it was going to go. Um, I had originally was I was listening to a, some podcast at one point uh, during it was like God, when was it? Right about the time that Dice of Crowns was coming in, um, I was just driving into work one day, and someone on this podcast just said uh, Russian roulette, and I sort of like my brain kind of tuned the rest of the podcast out, <laughs> and it started going down this like, huh, Russian roulette. Well, what if you, you know, and just sort of like kind of like spinning up different things, and I'd been thinking about Hanavi as a as a as a mechanic, and that's when I came up with the idea of like, well, what if you have a handful of cards and one of them's like a live round, but everyone gets to see that, but you don't. And so I just went home and, you know, made up some mock-up cards. It wasn't until much later that I actually added the coins in uh, before it was just, um, you had uh, just clicks and booms. Let's see if I've got any here. I got some of my old like ghetto cards. They were just like these gray cards <laughs> that said click and one said boom on it, you know, like boom. Right. Um, and I noticed in that those first iterations, while it was fun, everybody of course wanted to just speed to pick a boom, right? right? So there was no incentive to do anything otherwise. So um, when I added in coins or added a, a currency system, well, then there's an incentive to not necessarily take someone out. And it's kind of interesting to see when people first get that, like they'll try and go for someone, they, they take them out, right? Well, okay, now that person's safe, you know, all their money is protected. Mm -hmm. And then they, after that first, that first game, they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, I see. I need to bleed them of money and then kill them. Like, yeah, that's what you need to do. <laughs> They're going to be doing the same thing to you. So, right. yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to kind of see that that dawning realization as they as they go through and play. Yeah, I mean, like any game, like especially for me, any game takes a couple of plays to get through to really sort of, you know, try to figure out, like, all right, what best should I be doing here? Yep. So and then uh, when... Uh, we came up with the characters. One of the things that I wanted to do was have uh, abilities that added a little something extra, right? So as you're playing the main game, um, I wanted you to have some, a little more depth, a little more meat uh, to it. And the the character abilities really add that in. They really they kind of break the game in a way, but they break it evenly. Um, so the character abilities are something that you can only use once per game. 
So once you use it, you flip your card over and then that's no longer accessible. Um, and there's things like, um, oh, the Jackrabbit says at the start of her turn, she gets to look at a card in her hand. So oh, nice. at the beginning of the turn, at the beginning of the game, you've got you know your, your six cards. It's not a really useful ability. Her ability becomes really useful if she can last long enough to like two or three cards in there, well, that's super strong. And actually, I played a game uh, where I was on, I had three cards left in my hand. Um, it started my turn, I, I flipped over one of the cards. I was like, oh, that's a boom. <laughs> well, okay, I know what card I'm not going to be playing. And so the other players have to you know, pick, the, pick a card for me. And one of them actually picked the boom because they wanted me to pass that card over to the next person. <laughs> nice. Like, oh, nice, okay. <laughs> um, there's a, let's see, another card. Uh, the fox's ability is he gets to swap his hands with another player. So when he flips, everybody flips their hands up. If you look around and you realize that you've got more than one boom in your hand and someone doesn't have any, you can swap your hand with that person. That kind of you know levels that out a little bit. Um, the the raccoon gets to steal money from the pot, but he has to he has to survive a round at least to be able to do it. And he gets more money the longer he stays alive. Hmm. So basically, like for each card that he's played, he gets to steal a coin from the pot. So the raccoon has a real target on him. Like people really want to kill the raccoon before he like <laughs> empties the pot out because he could potentially steal like four or five coins. He's right. he's kind of gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor trash panda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so fitting too. Like, and we we changed the the uh, artwork up a little bit. So, like, here's oh, where'd he go? He looks like a little bandit now. He does. <laughs> so, like, here's his just his general yeah his general character card. You know, he's sitting at the table, kind of looking slyly at everyone, and then his uh, character ability there. Oh, actually, yeah. He shows him like actually stealing some stuff <laughs> out. Nice. And they uh, put a little icon, you know, in the corner. So if you're holding all the different characters, you can quickly identify what they are. Sure. You know, little usability type stuff. But it's cool. it's been a blast to work on, and I've got a bunch of different ideas for future characters. And there's actually a uh, a social media stretch goal that we're going to be announcing probably either Thursday or Friday for another uh, character that we will um, be unlocking if we hit that social stretch goal. So it's another one that's kind of cool. So cool. pretty cool. Lots of neat things you can do to you know expand the game and expand the experience a little bit. Right, now the, the, we've been talking about the characters. The characters are adorable. And, and it does kind of like mitigate, like you were saying, the, the dark nature. Now, now, can you say the artist's name? I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> yeah, her name is Diane Rouse. Okay, cool. Yeah, she uh, uh, she's the wife of one of the uh, artists that I, I work with and during my day job, and uh, I happened to mention to him I was looking for an artist that could do uh, kind of cute uh, cartoonish style art, and he's like, oh, you should talk to my wife, and so oh, I'm sure okay, and I looked at her her portfolio, I'm like, oh wow, she's got some nice stuff. So I talked to her, you know, I talked about like the goals for the game and what we wanted to do as far as uh, you know the the level of seriousness you know we wanted to be like fairly light uh approachable and comedic and uh we we spent a, a while kind of going back and forth on getting that that perfect level of of character design and whatnot and she's done a phenomenal job i've been super happy with with, uh, with her work and she's had a blast working on the project too so that's cool no it's definitely cool now do you uh... <laughs> 
how do you normally go about art? Like, do you have like a normal stable of artists that you've used before that you would go back to? Do you use DeviantArt? Have you ever like, you know, picked up somebody on Twitter that, you know, posts something up and you're like, holy shit, that's amazing. I wonder if there's a project that we can use, you know, this person for. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there are a couple artists that we will always that we always go to just kind of our stable um chris Quistorf uh did the the character uh framework stuff so like um on this card you know with this this frame here there's little bullet holes in there the wood the icons here um how the frame looks all that sort of stuff uh those were all things that uh that chris uh put together and chris um also did the uh, some of the design work for us uh, in our Kickstarter. Um, he also did, you know, like um, a bunch of stuff for us on Dice of Crowns. Uh, he did video stuff for us. So one of the videos that's up on Kickstarter that was done by Chris. Uh, he's kind of our, our go-to magical art wizard uh, in the form of uh, illustration type stuff. So we love uh, working with him. He's he's really smart and he's got some you know good design chops. So he'll push back on me for things that he feels like maybe aren't quite right or, or whatever. Um, so he's one we like we love working with. Uh, Darren Michelson actually uh, worked a little bit with us on this game as well. Uh, Darren is the uh, lead artist for Dice of Crowns, and Darren actually put together our our box art here. So all of this art is uh, by Diany, but uh, Darren actually put together the logo treatment and the boom and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's the one that um, put together our banner, took Diane's art, and kind of you know organized in a way that looked appealing. And so uh, Darren is another guy we, we love working with. But there are some other artists that we've been talking to for for other projects, and I'm pretty much open to just about anything. Like if I go to say you know a con like Emerald City Comic Con, I, I talk to some artists there. Uh, there's a bunch of artists that we have worked with in past jobs so like you know i used to work on pardon me i used to work on uh, handheld video games and uh there's a lot of different artists that we became good friends with and so they're kind of in our our stable our, our go-to like oh yeah you know the uh, scott's art is really awesome we should talk to him about something or you know uh you know, this other person's art is really great we should talk to them um but there's also some new artists that we're talking to as well, uh, people that we see online or, you know, see something on Instagram or, or whatever. So I'm always keeping my eye out for someone that has like a really cool, interesting look and then um, thinking about, OK, well, they've got this sort of style. What kind of game would go well? You know, what sort of things are, are we working on in the future that would really work well with their style? Sure. Because, because man, we got a lot of stuff in the pipe. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, just when well, you were holding up the box, I have the Kickstarter up now. The uh, the the horse character reminds me of Quick Draw McGraw. Although there's probably <laughs> like two people that know what that means. It's probably just you and me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the so that that was a little bit of an inspiration. Happy Tree Friends was another. Uh, you know, the, just the. Um, Oh, where's she at in here somewhere? Oh, there she is. Da -da, da -da. Yeah, the, the the horse sheriff and uh, her her ability there. She's uh, she's pretty cool. She can force a player to tell the truth about the card that they picked. 
because she's a sheriff, right? She yeah, makes you makes be sense. honest. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then her her deputy here, who's a bull, uh, mm -hmm. and the characteristics of a bull you know he's very strong strong willed he forces a player to play the card of his choice so he's kind of interesting in the fact that he could straight up just murder someone if he wants <laughs> he can pick a boom and go that's the card you're going to pick yeah. uh and a natural foible uh to him to counter counteract his ability is uh the the coyote here carla coyote uh her ability is she gets to uh, basically dodge a boom hmm. whenever she plays one it goes back into her hand uh, she shuffles up and then deals a card face down and discards it and then passes a card so you've got this unknown card sitting out there that no one really knows what it is and for people that are trying to count cards and count the number of booms it gets really tricky because you're like okay well i i'm you know the ones i'm counting says i should have one in my hand so they get really <laughs> concerned they may not even have one in there, but it gets into their head. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy wanted to know, were those Tiger electronic hand, handheld games, or was that something else? No. Uh, we actually worked on uh, the Nintendo DS. I uh, worked on Game Boy Advance. Uh, we did some uh, early iPhone stuff uh, at that company. Um, I work on uh, iPad and, and iPhone-specific uh, software now uh, for for my normal day job, but um, we were mostly at at that job where I met all those different artists. We were specifically uh, DS and uh, GBA in my studio. Um, there was one of the other studios in that company that worked on PlayStation Portable, uh, and I think a couple of them did a few of the. Uh, Oh gosh, what was it that they did? Uh, like some of the con like early console type stuff, but it was it was handheld primarily. Hmm, okay, cool. Uh, I did a Spiral the Eternal Night for the Game Boy Advance. There was a a swan song uh, for the for the GBA. We actually got a, a nine five out of ten uh, wow. on that game. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Nice. Uh, it was a we turned we turned Spyro the Dragon into this crazy Metroidvania. Uh, <laughs> crazy combo uh, game that kind of blew everyone away they're like wait this this game is way more you know intricate than than we expected for a spiral game to be <laughs> um i did a uh, looney tunes cartoon uh conductor uh for for idos before they ended up kind of dismantling themselves um which was pretty cool i actually got to go to the warner brothers lot and uh that game was a it was a music game where you were basically conducting a cartoon, and you're you're basically doing like tap symbols and all that kind of stuff on the uh, on the touch screen. And if you were off off time, the music would downgrade itself, and it would sound like a really bad orchestra playing these music. And characters at the beginning and end of the game would trash talk you based on how you did. So if you did really poorly, they would like Daffy Duck would come on and start like you know talking a bunch of crap about how terrible you were, but they were using classic lines from the cartoons. Very cool. And so we got to go to the, the Warner Brothers studio and, and have like all the voice actors for the Looney Tunes ca cartoons do all these classic lines. And they loved it. They were like, oh my God, I get to do this line. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, I got to meet Joe Alasky. Uh, I got to meet, um, and I can't think of his name, uh, the guy that does the, uh, the voice for Bender. Um, 
uh, and Fry. Uh, uh, I get to meet him. He does. He he did. Um, God, who did he do? He did Elmer Fudd uh, and a couple others. Uh, Joe Alaski did Daffy Duck and uh, and Bugs Bunny. He was the guy that basically took over after Mel Blanc passed away. Mm. Um, so like, yeah, Joe Joe Alaski was like the real deal. Uh, it was really cool getting to like watch these guys kind of do their thing and and you know, be in the sound booth and just like, yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> I really geeked on it because I love Looney Tunes type stuff. So, which I guess kind of goes back, you know, for a full circle where like, you know, this sort of art style, it's very Looney Tunes, you know, comedic mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, so we talked about, you know, the theme being kind of dark, uh, you know, underlying. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you gotten any sort of concern, you know, any sort of emails or tweets to be like, well, you know, I kind of like it. It looks cute, but... You know, it's not, you know, I, I wouldn't play this with my, because it's a, it's a family style game, right? I mean, it's, it's right. more of that light beer and pretzels, you know, you play with your kids. Have you gotten any sort of pushback or no? Um, I haven't. Actually, the only pushback I got was during, uh, at ETX, we were doing the Lucy stuff. One of the judges said that, you know, during, considering the, the time frame, you know, the, the, the pulse of, of what people are, things are going on in the social world, um, do you have concerns about having a game that has this sort of theme? She's like, you know, I don't like guns. I don't like gunplay, that sort of thing. I mean, well, I can understand that. But again, you know, when the character goes, we use terminology like boom yeah, rather than yeah. bang, right? It's a little right. more generic. We all kind of know what we're talking about, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But there's not a lot of, there's really no guns. Like even like, um, oh gosh, like, like Brandon here, the the bull, like he actually, he's got a gun on the table, but he's not like using it. Mm-hmm. There's n- there's never anyone that's pointing a gun at you. Right. Uh, and when you do blow up, like, you know, it's like the character's eyes are open. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're not closed. So it doesn't look right. like they're dead. And it's cartoonies. So you come back in the very next round. So I think having that, that comedic, um, the eyes open, uh, the the fact that they look crispy and not dead and that you come back cartoonish type stuff made it so people really didn't have that concern. Um, all the different conventions that we've been at, you know, people let their kids play and we've had kids play like younger than eight. I think uh, for, we were looking at uh, at bang the dice or, or bang uh, the card game and, uh, and the age is there. And I think it was like eight or 10. So we're like, well, that seems reasonable, you know, for our game, that's kind of what they're, they're going for. And, but I've seen kids, you know, younger than that play and, and have a blast with it. And they don't, they don't think about it from like a gun. I'm killing someone aspect. They're like, Oh, I caused you to go boom. That was so funny. <laughs> you know, and if, if you didn't know, that it was a, a game of Russian roulette. I, I don't know that that would be the first thing that I would think of because of the way that the art is and the way that, you know, the game is laid out. You know, it reminds me, like you said, of old Looney Tunes and stuff. Like, that's mm-hmm. immediately where my mind went. So it wasn't like, oh, this is Russian roulette. It's like, oh, it's Russian roulette? Like, you know, it's just completely right. the opposite, you know, sort of thing. And and like Jeremy said, you know, it's cartoon fantasy, it's fiction, it's a game, you know, it's tongue in cheek. It's not like, like you said, there's no blood. There's no, you know, you know, real imitation of violence that's, yeah. that's being portrayed. So 
you know, we, I, we I originally <laughs> toyed with the idea of having like a like a really hyper violent version of the boom, but then we quickly realized like, no, that's really the wrong way to go. Uh, we wanted to keep it, you know, far far lighter and more like you know tongue in cheek and accessible, um, just because uh, I think it, it makes it a lot more accessible and people are more willing to to get into that sort of theme when it's really light and funny and, and, and not gross and gory. Sure. Now it, it's funny. I, I, we just got back from vacation. I took uh, watership down with me because it's on my, my book of, you know, my list of books to read. Mm -hmm. yeah, I never read it, you know, watched the movie horrified as a child to watch it. <laughs> yep. So I watched it with my kid. I'm like, Oh, I just finished reading. I want to watch the movie and see how close it is. And it's, it's meta meta, but we're watching it. And my kid's like, you watch this as a, you know, she's 16. Did you watch this as a kid? I'm like, yeah, I was like, I, you know, eight, maybe six, seven. Like, they let you watch this. I don't know how I feel about that. And I'm like, they didn't care what we watched back then. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 70s, baby. There was some pretty weird crap that we, uh, we were yeah. exposed to. <laughs> And it was like, ah, here, just watch TV. I'm going to go cook or, you know, I cut the grass or whatever. So it was <laughs> completely different, you know, so like, like, so for our generation, you know, talking about the art and the theme and everything, like, like it wouldn't, it would just never occur to me as being something that like, unless, I, you know, we're sitting and having a conversation, like for me just to look at it, be like, oh, pff, yeah, whatever. Right. But it, it, it's interesting times that we live in now. Like, so even, you know, as a game designer, like those sorts of things you sort of need to be cognizant of, mm -hmm. uh, depending on, you know, what you're designing for. Like, if you were making a game for adults that explicitly had a dark theme, you know, buyer beware, you know what you get. You look at the box, you see the art, you're like, all right, that's not for me. I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, uh, closer aligned, I guess, when you're doing, you know, more like a family style. Yeah, I knew this was a lighter game, so it had to have, you know, a more accessible um, level of uh, of art, right? So, um, out of the gate, I knew I knew exactly there was going to have to be cartoony. Like, I, d I didn't want that that super dark and gory game or or anything like that. Like, I, I think if we did that, the target audience would be a lot smaller, and we we want it to be a game that more people can play, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with like a game doing that. Like um, I've actually got something like that. I think it's called Feros. Uh, it's this really messed up card game that is, or Ferox, F-E-R-O-X, uh, that's based off this old uh, 70s uh, horror splatter movie about cannibals. And like, it's really, really dark and the art is really gory and it's just, like really weird. But, you know, that's fine. They did, did their thing. I think you can get on Game Crafter or something like that. Um, smaller audience, very, very, very niche, where for Thing 12, what we're trying to do is just create more more accessible, more more uh, interesting, fun, get your entire family, all your friends together and play. Like, we're not trying to go to this, like, super niche sort of uh, um, place with, with our games. Sure, sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so other than play testing, are you getting to play anything these days? Or are you guys just <laughs> all into, you know, we got to get these things, we got to hammer out rules. And Well, I definitely do uh, a lot of play testing, uh, but I, I, I do get a chance to play things from, from time to time. Um, I recently have been able to play uh, King Domino, 
one of the spiel nominees um king domino it's by uh blue orange games and it's basically it's a game where you're building out this little five by five grid uh of a kingdom right you start okay. with the you start with this one square tile and you can't go farther than five up or five across and you have like domino style tiles that you're going to be putting together and they have to have at least one side that matches and there's different like there's a field uh art there's a there's one that might be a forest i think there's one that's a like a a gold mine that sort of thing okay. uh, there's one that's a swamp uh so when you put these tiles down you have to put them so you know one side matches with one of the others they don't have to both match and then uh, in a way that allows you to create bigger swaths of matching areas and then you're trying to get crowns in those areas because that's the only way you get points. So it's it's a kind of game that you can actually teach in like like a round or two. It's super simple. It plays in like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and the, the art on it's really gorgeous. Um, the pieces are phenomenal. Like it's really thick chipboard, uh, spot gloss on everything. Uh, the spot gloss on the box. It's got this plastic um, uh, form factor tray that everything fits really nicely in. Uh, and the crazy thing is, when I got the game, it was seventeen dollars. That was just like MSRP, seventeen bucks. Like this game looks like it should be thirty e easy. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how they got this game to seventeen dollars. Like that just blows my mind. Uh, but it was it was really cool. And just like if you're into spatial games that are you know really easy to pick up and play, like a lunchtime game, that one's really cool to play. Uh, what's something? Oh yeah, uh, another one on the far end of that spectrum. So that's the lighter <laughs> stuff. Uh, we've been playing Anachrony, uh, which is <laughs> super heavy. This is like a three-hour, you know, two and a half, three-hour-long game. Uh, where it's a worker placement, uh, resource gathering game with a time element to it. And I think it's one of the few games that actually does time travel in a way that makes sense and works. So in the game, you can actually send your, your workers into the future, get resources, and bring them back. But then the the trade-off is you have to be able to pay for those resources when that timeline catches up and if you don't you you incur big penalties because you're creating these sort of like uh these time anomalies right you're like wait that can't happen um it's a really interesting game uh and they the box is ginormous right i mean it's like freaking massive box and the base game gets you these tokens for all your different workers and whatnot and the there's kind of an expansion that you don't need to have, but it gives you minis. And uh, in our group, minis rule. <laughs> like we have a bunch of minis-based games. So uh, my buddy uh, Josh from the Omega Gamers, uh, he went all in and, and bought the extras for this. So he actually has the minis. You put your little workers in, the, in these minis mechs. Uh, the theme of the game is that the there was like this big meteor blast that went off and and caused havoc across the planet 
but we're working in the past and we're building up to that. So you're trying to like get as many resources together and build up all these different elements so that when that eventually happens that you can kind of survive it. And then you kind of have this victory point system to see who won. Uh, so you have to use the mechs to go into the future because, you know, things are all chaotic and you can't survive out in the world because, you know, radiation and blah, blah, blah. So uh, that, that one's pretty, pretty interesting. But again, like, far into the other spectrum, super yeah, heavy yeah. light stuff. So I try and play a, a little bit of everything just to get different ideas of for mechanics, you know, what kind of things are are, are new coming down the pike, that sort of thing. Um, we're playing some stuff at work. We, we would try to do different um, campaign style games. So we're doing two campaigns at work. Uh, we're doing, uh, let's see, Seafall. Uh, I think we're on season five for that year five um which is kind of a pirate style game uh it's a it's a legacy game mm -hmm. so there's things that you destroy in the game you're like hey you uncover this thing now rip up this card or you know put a sticker on this piece of the board or whatever um it's it's interesting this is a game that um that came out after pandemic legacy mm -hmm. and the the user experience for Pandemic Legacy had everybody just like off the charts. They were like losing their minds. And so when Seafall came out by the same designer, everybody was expecting this, you know, like, I don't know, their expectations were like up to here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it, it was able to deliver on that. So everybody was like, oh, it's terrible. Like, it's it's not terrible. It's it's a fun game, but it requires you to play it in a way that really... Uh, allows you to kind of take advantage of the things that it that it does right so i can see how some people wouldn't be into it and it also has this weird element where the very first round that you do like the first year in the game doesn't have any combat it, it basically kind of teaches you the basics of the game before you can start like screwing with each other and messing each other up and if you just go into there going oh well this is how the game is you're not going to have a complete view of what the game is like. You have to get into that second year and you're like, oh, okay, I can see the things that we can do now. So yeah, I can see how people can kind of get the wrong idea about it. My group's enjoying it. Um, and then the other uh, game that we're doing is uh, Arcadia Quest Inferno mm -hmm. by Call Me Near Not, which uh, Arcadia Quest is a game where each person has three of these cute little chibi minis and you're running around controlling your, your group and, and beating each other up and trying to kill monsters and sending monsters at other people to beat them up and trying to get gold. And, and uh, you're, you're working through this, this story of, of Arcadia, which in Inferno, basically it's like you're, you're going through hell essentially. And so you're fighting like these, uh, devils and little like uh, demon chicks that are flying around and uh, multi-headed uh, Cerebus dogs and all kinds of weird weird stuff but uh, it's it's pretty cool I, I really dig Arcadia Quest a lot so cool. lots of stuff going on from there as, as far as game playing I tried to nice. be just completely focused on work <laughs> you gotta have fun <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I know sometimes it's gonna be hard to get you know especially when you're talking about like a three hour game it's like well shit <laughs> you know right. I want to play this, but, you know, we have, like, all these things to do, so. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I don't, we may have talked about this before. I know we've had you on a bunch of times already, but uh, what's the most satisfying aspect of being a designer? 
for me, it's actually the playtesting aspect. Uh, I love watching people interact with the game that I have created, uh, or e even if it's not one that I specifically created that I that I did the you know development on or whatever. Like for Dice of Crowns, Badger created that one, but you know I worked with him on it and just seeing people have fun, uh, seeing those levels of excitement, uh, seeing people like you watch their stomachs verbally, you know, visibly drop when they realize that they've got a bunch of booms in their hand, you know, that, that visceral sort of re physical reaction to your game. I love that. I, I love being able to create something for people that they just, they have a lot of fun with and knowing that, you know, this is something that they're going to be able to create cool experiences with their friends. Um, I, that's, that's the super rewarding thing for me. Cool. And conversely, what's the most frustrating? The most frustrating. Um, <laughs> it can be sometimes, yes. Uh, I've I've been in the the industry long enough to know how to deal with those with people who are like, oh, this game sucks, or you know, like, oh, it's not my thing, or or they try and give you ideas on how to fix your game. Uh, and they don't really have an interest in it and all their ideas are terrible and you just sort of like, oh, well, those are good ideas. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, you have to be gracious to people. Don't be a jerk. Um, I think the more frustrating aspect is probably more on the on the publishing side, like dealing with the, okay, well, uh, we can't have this sort of thing because it's too expensive or, you know, these elements are going to be too heavy or you're like, ah, that's, that's, this frustrating stuff that it's the limitations, right? That that uh, kind of annoy me. I, there's some uh, game designers I know that they like the, I've got this finite box I have to work in mm -hmm. and I have to puzzle out how can I make this game fit within this, you know, the constraints of whatever it is. Um, for me, I'm more of a thematics first designer. So I'll come up with a, like a theme, like, you know, Russian roulette. Um, and figure out a way to take mechanics and make that theme work. Um, and then when I have, when I come up with the like, well, uh, this other thing is, is, you know, the financial limitation on that. It's like, oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> Damn it. Why can't things just be completely free? So I just make cool stuff and give it to people. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Justin from from Bad Cat Games, when we had him on the first time for Elements, uh, had the same sort of thing. He's like, I want to put this in, I want to put this in, I want to do that, and you know, we're going to include all these cool things, but uh, <laughs> we yep. can't do it. <laughs> yeah, my, my finance guy is uh, uh, Sean Harold. He is always pushing back on me, like, I'll come in like, oh, we need to have you know this, 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 and he's like, uh, no, we, we can't do all that. You're gonna have to. <laughs> You can do these things like, ah, oh, you're such a jerk. <laughs> no, fine. Okay. I'll make this work, I guess. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, so not only are you designing and developing and going to conventional stuff, you're also on a podcast now too. Uh, the yeah. Board Game Alliance podcast over on BJ's Geek Nation podcast network. Yeah. Uh, apparently I, I felt like I had copious amounts of free time. You know, I, just, I, I needed something else in my life. Uh, yeah. So, um, BJ is one of the guys in our in our gaming group, and he's on the morning show on KISW, uh, the Rock Channel here in Seattle. And oh, cool! Uber nerd, right? Like he's big time board game geek guy. And uh, we, I started playing uh, games with him back during the Dirty Cops days when I was kind of taking that around. And 
developed a, a good friendship with him just through playing games and whatnot. And uh, he he started the whole like podcast, the Geek Nation thing, and they they focus on they have some that that focus specifically on like comics or one that focuses on video games and stuff like that. Well, since board games are really kind of his his uh you know his flavor the thing that he really likes the most he wanted to have another podcast in the network that really focused on board games and uh, he talked to myself and talked to uh, josh of the omega gamers and uh, uh, chris who is a contributor on their their daily show as well as the the podcast uh, network and he was like, you know, I'd love to have you guys create something. So we kind of sat around and talked about it. Like, yeah, let's, let's do something. It'd be kind of cool. And I, the thing that I love the most about just the board game industry as a whole is how inclusive and helpful everything is. So what I, what I was really interested in doing the podcast was that um, this would be a way that we could reach out to other designers and other publishers and bring them on and like talk about their games and and you know hey we we had gray fox games on our podcast to talk about um you know the kickstarter that they did for oh gosh i'm gonna i'm gonna straight from their game uh it was the shoot and i can't think of the name of the game Ah, um, <laughs> anyway, their 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 Viking themed game. Uh, I backed that one because they came with a bunch of expansions for it. Uh, we also talked about um, their upcoming Kickstarter for Deception, uh, Murder in Hong Kong, which is a you know kind of a hidden role uh, deduction sleuthing kind of game. Um, you know, we've we've had uh, some of the indie guys on to talk about stuff that they were working on, like uh, the Ivian guys. Um, they're they're up in the Bellingham area, uh, which is north for Washington, like way north, right up next to Canada. Right. Uh, they were working on this card game, uh, kind of a little bit like Magic the Gathering inspired, and they were struggling a little bit with their with their Kickstarter. So we were like, hey, let's you know bring you on and and we'll talk about it and and uh, you know get get a chance to play it and and maybe we can do some stuff on the social media side and do some Facebook Live stuff. Uh, and we were able to help them, you know, kind of get, get their game funded. Um, so just more chances to build relationships, which I think that's really what the board game industry is about. It's such relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And just, you know, another way to, to kind of be a, a positive contributing member within this, this community was something that really intrigued me and was like, I found really interesting. And, uh, since I'm heavily in the Kickstarter side, uh, they're like, you're going to do the Kickstarter segments. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I get to reach out to guys like, Hey, by the way, you're, you know, we featured you on our, on our podcast and, you know, send links and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. I, I enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. I, I feel not only is the board gaming community that way and, and you know, the larger community, but all podcasting as well. I mean, you know, yeah. we have other podcasters on, we talk about other podcasts. I mean, we, you know, talk about other shows that are, you know, aren't on the network that, you know, that I enjoy and, you know, people that I listen to and, you know, shout out to Fandible since we're, since we're talking about it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's cool. I mean, it's not about, you know, one person being better than the other or whatever. I mean, people may like Fandible and not like us. People may like us and not them. It's, it, you know, it's not about trying to grab everybody. It's, you know, let's bring everybody up together. We're all part of the community. And, you know, I, like I said on a previous show, like, 
you know, we are part of the community and there should be a certain amount of responsibility that goes with that. I buy my games at the game store. I don't yep. go to Amazon. You know, we, you know, try to support our creators. You know, we back Kickstarters, you know, Oscar Rios is on all the time and, you know, back his Kickstarters. And like, it's just, I, I you like, you should do that. Right. I mean, it's right. not just about, Hey, we had Oscar on or Hey, we had, you know, Ken Hyde or Adam Scott Clancy's like, no, we had them on and we're friends and, you know, we buy their stuff and, you know, Todd Foley's running games for us. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes along with that. I, I feel like anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, the, the idea that, uh, the, the the rising tide you know floats all boats you know like um i have seen that with other other podcasts as well you know i think um what's a what's a good example um the stronghold games and portal games they have a, a podcast right and they they talk about games that just aren't theirs right they talk about like different games that they've been playing and things that they're really interested in they don't have to do that. I mean, they could yeah. just use their podcast as a way to like talk about their own games, but they don't. They actually, you know, do give back to the the community and and kind of like bring others into the fold because they're gamers too. And I, I think that's a big part of it. Like we're all gamers. We want to play more games. You know, I want I want Company X to be successful. You know, I want Ivian to be successful because I want their game to fund on Kickstarter because I want a copy of their game. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's cool. I like playing it. Um, you know, or, or I want uh, you know the the Gray Fox Deception Murder in Hong Kong expansion because I love that game. So yeah, let's bring them on the show so they can they can talk about that. Uh, you know, I want your podcast to be successful because you know then you can have me on and we can you know talk about stuff. And I see you being successful, and that makes me feel good that you're you're you know doing things and moving things forward. And yeah, like it's it's the it's the thing that I don't see in the video game side of the world. Well, I can that makes yeah. <laughs> it it's far more like okay we need everybody you know within our game and we need to hold them there uh where it, that's just not the case in in the board game side it's like no let's uh everybody you're not going to just play one game for the rest of your life with, yeah. <laughs> unless maybe if you're a magic player maybe but you know like most you people if you're playing board games are going to be playing lots of different stuff so yeah like doesn't matter just support each other yeah for sure for sure although if i could only one pl play one game ever it might be splendor i know uh that uh you know uh, james Ernest is probably like looking around all of a sudden like what <laughs> <laughs> did you it, it's still the, my go-to speaking of, of splendor did you hear about the uh the expansion that they're doing they're it's supposed to drop july or august i think yep right? yep yeah. Cities of Splendor, if I remember right. I think so, yeah. It looked like it had yeah. little 3D like towers and there were some extra cards and things. I'll be interested to see what's what's involved. We still play it a ton. I'm taking it to work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. So do you have do you do like the fire player expansion of Splendor or I didn't know. Is there already a previous uh expansion? Uh it's kind of a user based uh expansion. I, I think it's sort of like unofficially supported. Um <laughs> if you go to Board Game Geek and, and hit up Splendor, there's a, a five player like rule set. It's you have to add in um like I think it's one more one more token for each color. Um and I think that's about it. Maybe one extra gold so you can so you can claim things, but um, it doesn't change the card layout or anything like that. And we've done it before, and it works just fine. Right, you just right. have to have those extra you know pieces for for claiming gems. Cool. 
Yeah, I've, I've tried. We we play with four. I mean, it's hard for me to get four people to do anything. So <laughs> it hasn't really been a problem. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. Again, and it's it's right up my alley. Like it's not super rules heavy. It's not super deep strategy. You could play it in a half an hour, and you know, it, like for me, it. it you know, it's that slow building. Like you're going and you're taking cards and like you're kind of going along and like all of a sudden you're like shit, he's got ten points. I've got two points. What the right? <laughs> what step, but I, just yeah, complete like exponential growth, like just right through the game. I, that's I think what I really like about it. There's um oh oh shoot uh, I'm looking for it now um oh crap. There's a game I'm thinking of that I think you might like, and I can't think of the name right now. Uh, Bloody Inn. That's it. Um, I've seen that. I've seen it. Oh my god, that game is so good, um, and it's it's fast too, uh, yeah. which is which is a cool thing. Um, it's it's a, the theme is a, again a little dark, right? Bloody Inn kind of tells you what's going on. Uh, you're playing a, a a family of of innkeepers that are having people come in and stay in your room and you can choose to murder them or not and <laughs> steal money out of them if you happen to murder them. Um, but from a mechanics standpoint, the game's fascinating because you can only do a small number of things in any given turn and you often want to do far more than that. Like you need to do far more than that. So it's this really tight struggle of like, well, okay, I can do this and if I do this, I can you know do this other thing and hope that I don't get screwed out of this next turn. And it, it goes really quick. Oh, man, that game is so good. Oh, <laughs> It's a little weird to teach because the cards are, are multifunctional. Um, so the cards are basically uh, different types of people that come into your town or to your inn. Uh, like there's... Um, Oh, there's the royalty or, you know, the political type people. There's people, that, uh, the police officers that are there that can, if you murder someone like and get caught with them, then you get screwed. <laughs> uh, there are, uh, let's see, people that work for like the newspaper, the media and that kind of stuff. Anyway, so each person, they are someone that can get you money just by staying in your room. If you kill them, they become uh, a body that you need to get rid of. And once you get rid of them, then you can actually get money from them. Uh, but you can also use people as like a building, hmm. which is, seems kind of weird. They've got this like little symbol and then tells you what sort of building. So if you sort of thematically, I guess the idea is that they're helping you build a building or, or whatever, but that card, that player's or character card becomes the a building that you can bury things under. Because that's, oh, that's how you get rid of the bodies. <laughs> so you're like, well, let's see. If I, I can bring this guy into my hand and I can actually like get him on my side and he's going to help me like kill people and steal money from them, or I can kill him and go for his money, or I can turn him into a building that I can bury bodies underneath. <laughs> <laughs> it's such pretty grisly, but it's, it's super, super fascinating because there's lots of little combos that can happen and, you know, you can the police aren't always good. Like you can actually like take a police officer in your hand and now he's, he's a guy that'll help you murder people. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to check that out then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if you, if you like things like Splendor that are, you know, have this like build up over time, uh, give you some like really interesting decision-making that you, you need to do, check that one out for sure. I think you'd dig, you'd dig into that a lot. Cool. All right. Uh, I, will, I will write that down when I go back to edit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. You gave us a bunch of juicy tidbits already, but is there anything else that you can share that's going on over there at Thing 12? Ah, uh, yeah. Let's see. What can I talk about? Um, we are working. So I get asked a lot about uh, Dirty Cops. Uh, because that's one of the ones that we originally tried funding way back in the day and uh, you know didn't fund because honestly the feedback that we got from people was that a it was kind of overproduced um, by that what I mean is that uh, the cost of things was more than what people were really willing to pay uh, because we were just shoehorning everything under the sun into into this game box um, so we're we're basically like scaling all that back and looking at ways that we can make the game cheaper so that we can lower the price point on the game. And the other thing that we had uh, feedback on was that, well, you guys hadn't done anything yet, so we didn't think you'd be able to be successful at, at delivering this game. Like, okay, well, that's a fair point as well. So that's how we came up with that with Dice of Crowns. Uh, about that time, Badger had come to me and was like, hey, check out this game I made. And like, I like this game and this would be perfect. So, you know, I, my hope is that by sh by putting these games out and delivering them, um, let's see, Dice of Pirates is probably going to be the next one. Uh, they'll get to see, like, yeah, these guys know what they're doing. They deliver fun games. They can follow through on their commitments and they, they stay active with the Kickstarter backers. We don't go silent, you know, and, and, and rogue. Um, you know, they, we stay, you know, part of the community that they'd be more willing to go, okay, we, we can put our trust in you because we know this is going to be a quality game. Um, there's a couple of things I'm doing from the design side of things to um, see if I can change it up a little bit from a, to make it a little, a little cheaper. I'm actually redesigning how uh, the combat occurs um, in the original game. It was a little more strategic, but it was also like a bit of setup too, because you had to put all these tokens on different uh, criminals, um, and each criminal would target you know different cops and that sort of thing. Um, it was a little fiddly in that aspect, um, and you could have aspects where like you would know at the very beginning of a round of criminals attacking the cops that well, nobody's attacking me. Like everybody's going after this guy, and some people are going after this guy, but nobody's coming after me. Thematically, it seems a little weird. You, know, you wouldn't expect cops to go into a shootout against a bunch of against a different criminals and go, "Oh yeah, he's not going to be shooting me." Yeah. Why would he? Like, how do you know that? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So, what I'm thinking about doing is taking um, adding a, a dice element into it. So you would actually have to roll a die to determine what character or what player number is actually going to be attacked by that criminal at that time so there's there's a large amount of risk going into any combat you can't just you know, like sit back and just go hey, hey you know nobody's coming at me you, you don't know so right. you sort of have to plan and you know kind of prepare for the chance that you could be attacked by several different people so um that's something i'm i i haven't had time to really like kind of delve into from a design standpoint because i've been a little busy with other things, but uh, once uh, once Click Click Boom is done, I'll be able to kind of put some more of my design time uh, onto that and and get that looked in into. Um, there's another game that uh, we continued some uh, playtesting that Smash Heroes. Uh, that was one that we we were kind of working a little quicker on, and then decided that um, Click Click Boom was farther along in the development process. Uh, but it's one that we're going to be looking at putting out probably in 2018. 
Um, Smash Heroes is a game where you're playing as a group of a group of orcs, and you are beating up heroes uh, for their money and using that money to buy different goblin types. And it's basically a, a set collection race for victory points using goblins as the the victory point generation system. Nice. Uh, Whenever I play that again, you know people have a lot of a lot of fun with it, and it takes the the idea of uh, not really dungeon crawly, but more like uh, the fantasy system, and kind of turns it upside down. Like there's like boss monster where you're the bad guy, right, and you have to deal with the with the heroes. But the thing that I struggle with on boss monster is that I never really feel like a boss. I feel like these heroes are coming in and kicking my butt left and right. I don't feel yeah. I don't feel terrifying. I feel like I'm I'm getting the crap kicked out of me. Um, and so I wanted a game that allowed you to feel like an evil badass, right? Like each of the heroes, you're going to be destroying them, and they look terrified. Uh, each each character, you know, has this sort of like oh, you know, like they're crap in their pants sort of look. Um, so that's I think something kind of unique and different, you know, in that in that space. Uh, and then there are, God, let's see, if I can talk about that one yet. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's at least like four or five other things that we're working on with different uh, designers and and uh, some things that I have as well um, that I've been kind of playtesting and trying out. So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that we're uh, we're going to be bringing out to people uh, in 2018 for sure. Cool. Uh, I don't know if I've ever asked this before. Do you guys at Thing 12 take outside submissions? So like if I had a game and I'm like, oh, I'm super hyped. I, th I think it's good. You know, I think I'm in a place. Do you accept submissions like that or no? We kind of do. Um, usually the way it's come about is I just happen to either hear about it from someone like, um, it might be someone that I work with, like in Badger's case, Badger works with me. Right. And so he's like, Hey, here's my game. Um, Whereas uh, someone else might be, uh, I, I saw this game getting played and and, and play tested at uh, one of the conventions. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool game. I really like that. I'd, I I think that would work for our audience. I think we could really do a lot to help you, you know, bring our, our the artists that we have contacts with and, you know, help develop this for you. Um, it might be something like uh, I just happened to hear hear talk about or someone actually came to me like hey we've talked to these other people and and the deal that they're giving us isn't all that great we want to see what you if you guys were interested in what you could do so we're always open for for things um and we're honest with people too like hey we've got a lot of things going on that you know it may not be until late 2018 maybe even 2019 until we're able to do something with their game if if that's not okay with you that's cool you know please be, be free to take it somewhere else um the thing is like the way we approach the whole like publishing system uh, is we want we want designers to feel like we care about their game. We want the designers to feel we care about them because we do. Uh, the same thing with the artists. We care about uh, their their enjoyment on a product. We care about them as an artist. Uh, the the illustrators. You know, we care about them as what from a an artistic standpoint and want them to have you know the ability to be creative and be able to be taken care of as well so i've, I've been told by some designers that like sometimes they'll go and present something to a, a publisher and be like i kind of felt like they just wanted it for their catalog 
right? Mm-hmm. They don't they don't really give a crap about me so much as like, yeah, we could take this and put it out and you know make a quick buck off it and and cool. And they're like, that's not really kind of what I'm looking for. Right? I I want it's their child, right? It's their baby. Right. Like they want to see this, you know, treated like that. And that's kind of where we come from. Um, we again, it's about building relationships and. Everybody that that works with us, it's not just like I'm the artist and I can only do the art, right? Like we'll have the artist give feedback on on a design thing. Like they're like, "Hey, I I had a problem with this design piece. You know, I struggled with this thing. Hey, right, cool. Let's talk about it. You know, let's let's work through things." Um, Darren and Chris, who were the art team for Dice of Crowns, they they offered lots of little tidbits for um, some of the the advanced rules and for the um, the special like you know seven dice roll systems we, we went through a lot of that together as a team and i think that for for us and the way we approach things that's a more interesting space to work in right it allows everybody to feel like their opinions matter like we care about them as a person like they can have a positive contribution to the game um Ultimately, one person has to make the make the call, right? Like we want the designer to own the design, and as a publisher, sometimes we have to say, "Well, I know you want to do that thing, but it may be wrong," and, and I'll explain why. You know, like I'm not just saying it because I'm a dick. You know, I'm not saying it because because <laughs> uh, you know it's my way or the highway. Like here's specifically the reasons why I'm coming at this. Do you have a, do you have any pushback on that? Let's talk it out. So we've had lots of lots of really positive uh, experiences from people and. Uh, through the games that we've been doing, people saying, "Yeah, I, I love working with you guys," and I think that's kind of been like kind of percolating out, and, and other designers are talking to each other, going, "Yeah, I really like working with these guys. They're really cool. They're really easy to work with, and and they give a crap about you." <laughs> so, yay! <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely good. That that's definitely the kind of reputation that you want to have because that you know it, it is about building relationships and. And, you know, we're friends with a lot of guys that come on, you know, with you and, you know, we've had you on a couple of times. And, like, I think that sort of stuff really shows through, shows through in the quality of the work, you know, it, you know, the relationships, just the things that are going on, you know, outside of, okay, we're making a game. And that's cool. I, I think that's a cool part of the community as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, everybody has, like, different ideas and things that they want to accomplish and goals. And that's one of the things we'll, we'll talk about, like, you know, what are you hoping to do with this? And it may be like, hey, you've got a cool game. Um, it, it may be something that not isn't for our audience, or it may be something that you're wanting more for than we can provide. But I'll be happy to, you know, talk to you about it and help you work out some design stuff on it and, and you know, give you any pointers and things like that. I'm getting nothing from that other than I'm building a relationship with this person. That's cool. And if they right. can be successful, great. You know, it's another cool game that's out in the market that I can pick up. Awesome. Right. <laughs> another hit to the wallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm, I didn't think about that. That's ah, fine. <laughs> All right, well, we could probably do this for like another hour, but right. <laughs> uh, I think we should probably move into like uh, final five territory. But before we do that, uh, I'll throw up here. Let me refresh the page. Uh, you guys are a little over halfway funded now, uh, thirty-eight sixty out of seven thousand. So yeah. on your yeah. way, you got twenty days to go. One hundred twenty-five backers. Eighteen bucks gets you a whole copy of the game, not a. Not a par, not a print and play, not a thing. 18 bucks gets you the game. It's cheap. Uh, it's, you know, 
fun game, plays quick. If you're if you need a game for like you've always got that one player that's always late to your RPG session. You, you pull out, click, click, boom. You imagine he's one of those other characters or she's one of those other characters. Maybe not. Don't do that. That's bad. But you get a quick game in before your game starts. It's, it's definitely worth to pick it up. Uh, there's retailer pledge levels too. So if you're uh, one of our uh, retailers that are listening, I don't know, there's probably not any, but hey, check it out. Maybe go to your local game store and say, hey, look, there's this cool game on Kickstarter. It's called Click, Click, Boom. It's by Thing 12 Games. It won a Lucy Award. I want to see in the store, give them the link, write it down on a piece of paper. Maybe they'll, they'll check it out and you'll be able to pick it up there. Yeah, and if people are interested in trying the game out, uh, if they back, there's actually a post that's up. It's uh, 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 number six uh, in our, our post that we've done. And it you can get the print and play. Yeah, you can download a copy of the game, including the rules, and print it out and cut them up and play with your gaming group. See? There you go. It's as easy as that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll, uh, we'll move into the final five here. I have all board game designer related final five questions. Sweet. <laughs> well, well, four anyway. <laughs> so the first one is uh, a co-op or more of like a PVP, PVP style game, like an adversarial game. What, which do you prefer? Uh, definitely PVP. Uh, one of the, the jokes within my gaming group is uh, competitive. <laughs> We're working together, but you may have a secret agenda where you're trying to screw everyone else over. Um, our our gaming group loves to trash talk each other and give each other a bunch of bunch of garbage. So, um, are kind of okay with us. But if we have a chance, to, like stab each other in the back and mess each other over and ruin each other's plans, like that's all great. We did, we love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I do a lot of two-player stuff with my brother, so that definitely holds true. Like Gray Fox is uh, Seven Ronin or, you know, Sun Tzu or anything like that. It's like, I am oh, yeah. going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, beer and pretzel style light strategy or deeper, you know, Euro style, oh, I'm going to play a game for three hours? Uh, probably beer and pretzels, light strategy. Uh, that's just the game type I can get to the table far more often. Um, and I think for me, at least right now, like I like those kind of games, like the longer games. Uh, we were, we, we went to a con up in uh, Bellingham and we did a game of Rex that took eight hours. We started at like, like <laughs> eight o'clock at night and we got over, it was like six in the morning. We were at the hotel and <laughs> we were actually down in their, their, uh, their breakfast area and they just they kept it open and you know we would have coffee and stuff like that and they were like we, we got done they're like oh it's you guys like we had we'd built up a word you know people are like oh those weird gamer guys over there were up playing this weird game all hours of the night like we didn't sleep so those kind of games are okay but like once in a while right i couldn't do that like all the time Whereas like the, the faster games, uh, you know, like a, like a King Domino or, or Oceanos or Click, Click, Boom or Dice of Crowns or things like that, I can bring them out at just about any time, teach them really fast, and we can play several games and, you know, have a good time and, you know, not invest half your damn day <laughs> in doing <Yeah>. it. <laughs> And you can play during lunch. So, I mean, like, that's a, like, I do a lot of gaming at work now because my boss games a little bit. He, he's backed one or two of the Kickstarters that, that we've talked about. And, okay. um, 
you know, as, as kids, I brought Splendor to work. He played it. Uh, I was doing board game meetup for a while. He came with his whole family. His son loves Splendor, saved his own money and bought it. Wow. So that's awesome. Was, Man, that's so cool. <laughs> Welcome to the fold. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's cool. I, you know, I think, I mean, maybe that's sort of a byproduct of like, you know, our schedules and the way society runs. And it's like, hey, I can play a game for half an hour, you know, yeah. whether it's just at lunch or, you know, before dinner, after dinner with the kids or something like that. Like, it's just so much easier to get that in. There's also like, for for me, not just in like the play sessions I can get into, but also I am, from a designer and publisher standpoint, I have this like craving to consume as many games as I can. Well, I can't do three hour games, you know, nonstop. I got to like the lighter stuff is a lot easier to get an idea of like different mechanics and, you know, things that are that designers are doing and different ways to approach things like that, that feeds me in that, that sort of way that allows me to kind of like funnel stuff back into my own games. So I, I think that's probably another reason why I tend to like the, some of the lighter stuff. Oh, I see you're doing double duty. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Um, do you prefer being a designer or a developer? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, hmm. I'll tell you about that. I'm kind of 50-50 on both. Um, the, the design aspect is fun in that sort of puzzly sort of way, right? So like, uh, there's a lot of like open creativity where you just come with like, oh, I've got this really cool idea. And then you start working through it and putting it together. And then you do a quick play test with your buddies and you're like, oh, okay, this is terrible because of X, Y, and Z. And you figure out where it's all broken um, and then go back and fix it and blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's fun and interesting in a completely different way than development is from development side it's more i'm i feel like i'm utilizing different parts of my brain right it's almost like um if i were to compare like uh playing a um playing a lighter game compared to playing a deeper game Mm -hmm. uh, from a development side you're you're having to think long term you're having to think about um you know market sustainability and and you're thinking about uh, the types of players they're gonna, they're gonna like this. You're thinking about UX design, like all these you know crazy publisher type stuff that uh, a lot of times designers don't really think about or sometimes don't care about. Um, and that's that's a, a different beast, but it's also something I find really fascinating. I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of like straddling that line, like working on my own things, but also working on other stuff to bring other people's things to fold um i've got a lot of respect for uh for ignacy chevichek uh the head of portal who also like designs games as well like he's sort of like there's like there's a guy i kind of aspire to right like he's he's running portal and you know puts out the games and then also like design stuff like you know terraform mm -hmm. or not terraform mars the uh gosh the mars game that he's doing um red, not red planet no no, it's the basically like a like a, a redesign of uh, the island adventure game that he did. Um, God, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name though. Yeah, but uh, you know, so he was the lead designer on that. So 
that's that's a that's a cool space to be in and i feel kind of blessed that i've got those opportunities to go down both those sides right and it scratches a different it's like you were saying like you know the the design side is more creative free form you know you're just kind of throwing a whole bunch of things together where you know the, the developer is more it's a different puzzle yeah yeah completely yeah cool um, you prefer a small con or, you know, a large con like Gen Con? Probably the smaller cons. Uh, I think I get a lot more time to really interact with people at the smaller cons. Um, uh, I think one of the, one of the ones I like the most up here in the Pacific Northwest is, uh, like Dragonflight and OrcaCon, uh, and ETX to, to a degree as well. Um, they're they're a little smaller so once you're done you know kind of like doing your your demo time and then you they go on they continue going on so you can get in you know game time so i'm a little nuts in the sense that i'll like i'll put in like a 12 hour day of running demos and then i'll be like okay now let's game yeah. <laughs> and, and i'll spend you know another four or six hours uh playing different games you know with different people and you know again, making those relationships and making friendships and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the people that I'm, I'm friends with in, in the industry over here from the board gaming side is just from gaming with them at conventions. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that's one of the positive things about the smaller cons is that you get those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are definitely more accessible at a smaller con like that. Like I went to, to RinCon for the first time last year in November up here in Tucson and, uh, you know, James Ernest was there. John Wick was there. Andy Looney from Looney Labs is there. Like, you know, so many people, you know, Seth Jaffe was there. We wound up having him on the show after. And uh, it's just cool. You walk out. You know, I mean, they're like, they're just people, right? I mean, yeah. it's, you know, you, you put them up like, oh, he designed this or, you know, he he's runs that and whatever. But like, you know, at the end of the day, they're still gamers that love to game and, and whatever. So, you know, it sort of gives you that instant connection. But it's still cool to like walk up to somebody convention like, I've played your game and it's awesome. And like, I just want to give you a hug right now or whatever. Like, it's just so cool. And they're like, ah, well, all right, whatever. You, know, you go to Gen Con and there's like a billion people. And like, you're trying to shuffle into like, just get a glimpse at somebody or whatever. It's, it's just, I, I, I've never been to Gen Con. I did PAX East in 2012 and it was, it was big then, but not as big as it even is now. Yeah, uh, you know, now like it's sold out. Like, oh shit, it went on sale five minutes ago. It sold out already. You know, that's what PAX West uh, does. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, they just they went on sale. Oh gosh, what was it last uh, Friday, Thursday, or Friday? And they were sold out. You know, within like an hour, right? Less than an hour, like you know, five ten minutes. They're they're most of the ones are gone. Um, and the main packs. Like going through that, it's just crazy, right? Like you're just wall to wall people, but the board gaming side is still fairly accessible. Um, yeah. So I get to actually like play with a lot of different people. The downside is that they close it down at like six o'clock, or it's either six or eight. So then wow. you sort of have to like split off and go, okay, well, let's you know maybe go over to Hotel X and and do some gaming, or people go off to their respective you know hotel rooms or whatever. Um, and again, but that goes back to the smaller cons that are like, sure, we stay up until midnight or we'll, we have our con at a hotel. So mm -hmm. we're just going to keep it open. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'll wander down at like six in the morning and like you see someone like bleary eyed, you know, like staring <laughs> over some game they've been playing all night long. Like, ah, oh, that's so awesome. You guys rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I when I interviewed Andy, so I was there the first day and he came up and I'm like, shit, I think that's Andy Looney. So I ran over and I'm like, hey, Andy, you know, I'm so and so and I'm, you know, do podcasts and everything. And like, you know, you'd be interested in interviews. Like, well, I could do it like 11 o'clock tonight. I'm like, I fuck it, whatever. Like I'll just hang out, like whatever. So we went to his hotel room and we did the interview, like eleven o'clock at night. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. Uh, all right, and the last one is uh, not a board game question, more of a podcast podcast question. Mm-hmm. Uh, celebrity gaming podcasts, or you know, Joe Blow and his friends around the table. Um. Hmm. For me, I would say as long as it sounds good and it's interesting content, I don't care. Uh, I'll I've got a whole crap ton of podcasts that I listen to, and each one offers different things, right? Like, yeah, I'll listen to Dice Tower, right? They're they're the big granddaddy of of the board gaming you know, media world, uh, and their shows, you know, interesting, and they they bring a lot of stuff there. But I'll listen to you know some of the smaller ones as well. Uh, uh, the Five By is another one that I, I got tuned into recently, and uh, as long as as the production quality is is listenable, you you don't sound like you're in a tin can, yeah, wow. or you know someone has some like weird feedback thing going on or something. Like if it's unlistenable, then I'm like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> you can put a little bit, put yourself into the space uh, that something that I tell designers, right? Like if you don't like the look of your game or if you don't, you don't think that you would want to go into a game store and go, yeah, that's something that I would like to have, or this is something I would like to, you know, play. Same thing with podcasts, right? If you're like, that's not something I would want to listen to, or that's a little, little hard on the ears or, or whatever, mm-hmm. invest in yourself, you know, like, Put out the best thing that you can. You know, I understand not everybody can afford like the high end equipment, all that kind of crap. But do what you can. Take pride in your work and put out stuff that sounds good and, and try and be entertaining. You know, I'm all in. I don't care if you're a celebrity or not. I'll, I'll, I'm subscribed. Cool. I'm in. Cool. Yeah. It, it, it's a really weird place to be now because now, like, there's money in podcasting and things. So there, you know, you see a lot, a lot of movement you know, in podcasting, it's like, like for me personally, it's one of the things I struggle with. It's like, okay, well, how do you, you know, how does Joe blow? Not necessarily us, but you know, anybody that's like, Hey, I want to start a podcast. Like how do you compete with critical role or, you know, Brian Posehn or like, you know, any of those sorts of things because people are in just because, Oh, I know that name. I'm Mm -hmm. in, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to listen. And, you know, and obviously those guys have, you know, good sound quality and, you know, they can invest in all the, all the different stuff. You know, like you said, like I, like we're at the point with the podcast now where I'm just stupid. So like I edit ums and I edit pauses and I edit like, like the stupidest stuff. Like, you know, I've been listening to RPPR for 10 years, at least, I guess they've been around forever. Like he's the OG, you know, actual play podcaster. Right. And they just record it. And, you know, he does level later, you know, like certain technical things. But it's like, boom, here it is. Like, there's people eating popcorn. Deal with it. You want to listen to it. <laughs> and, like, I'm, like, 
no food at the table. Mute your microphones. Don't, you know, and I'm editing. Like now we do sound effects. So like I'm, I do Foley at home now. Like shit, I can't find awesome. X thing. So I bring out my Zoom. I'm running around the house doing Foley stuff. So like, because it adds so much more to the show. And like, I, I, I used to listen to a ton of podcasts. Time-wise, I'm, I'm down to a handful. Uh, but like, like, I approach the podcast as I would as a list. So like, what do I want to hear? And, you know, we're at a point now where it's like, that's, I'm trying to present like 110% because why, why wouldn't you like, if if you're not going to do it right, then don't do it. Right. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, and that's it. I mean, it's content is king. And so if you're presenting something that is, this is interesting, sounds good, uh, editing out all the ums and uhs and all that kind of crap that are really annoying when you hear them over and over and over. That's, that's stuff that showing that you care about your listeners, you care about your audience and you're trying to present them something that's quality. Great. You know, that that's a reason why people want to, you know, tune in and listen because you care about them. You're, you know, if you're a game designer and and you put out a game and you're like, well, whatever, I don't care about the rules, loosey goosey, you'll you'll figure it out. No, you obviously don't <laughs> care about your players. So it's all about like this thinking about the audience that you're trying to reach, care about them, care about their time, and give them the best thing that you can, and show that you value their their time, you value their money, you value their you know whatever that they're bringing back to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, and I, I'd like to think for the most part, podcasters are doing that. At least the shows that I listen to are doing that. Um, you know, some, you know, the bad episodes here or there, you know, the ghost in the wire sort of thing. Like you have to like accuse yeah. them sort of stuff. I, oh, I yeah. think, you know, we're at a point in podcasting now where I think most people get it. Like they know what they're getting into and they get started. They may not know like, okay, how, you know, what levels I want to, you know, edit to and like those sorts of things. They're like, Hey, I know I have to do, you know, X amount of work when I get in. So I, I think like we're, you know, we're in a heyday right now of podcasting. I mean, like so many podcasts on the air now, there's so much content <laughs> to choose from. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I'll notice like guys that will, that will come on and they'll, they'll start their podcast and go, um, we had some audio issues. We cleaned it up as best we can. We really apologize. Okay, I'll let that go. Like they're aware of it. They did what they could to fix it. Things happen. You know, whatever. You you'll, you'll fix it and move on. That's cool. It's the ones that like you you started up and you're like, this is a little rough. <laughs> really, this whole thing's gonna go like this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Next. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'll, maybe in a year you'll figure things out and get it worked out, and I'll come back to your show and see if it's any better. Uh, yeah. So again, it's all about the quality and just doing the best job that you can. Well, with that being said, skip like the first ten episodes if you're gonna start listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things that uh, that we kind of lucked out for for the podcast that I joined, I'm really really lucky because we record at a radio studio, right? So we have super high end equipment. We have super nice mics and uh, really awesome editing bay and all that kind of stuff. So we're it was kind of a a, a I don't, know, I don't know blessing in disguise is the right word, but you know again you know it allows us but. Chris, who does all the editing, again, we care about the audience, so we're going to edit out stuff that sounds like, like crap, or you know, we're going to stop ourselves when 
we start stumbling over things unless it's funny. And again, like as a as a podcaster, like when you're editing your stuff, you're like, that was kind of funny. Yeah, it was a screw up, but it's humorous. So let's keep it in. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Go with it. Yeah, that's my editing all the time. Oh, I got to edit this out <laughs> and then listen to it and be like, yeah, fucking, I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> yeah, it you can learn to be able to laugh at yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like an inside joke at this point because it comes up like on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's like a little uh, Easter egg, I guess, maybe at this <laughs> <Exactly>. point. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. I, so I, I have all links in the show notes for all your stuff, but if you want to give out uh, give out your details and things there so people know where to find you, how they can contact you. Sure. Uh, so Thing 12 Games, you can find us on Instagram at Thing 12 Games. You can find us on the Twitters at Thing 12 Games. You can find us on Facebook. Guess what? Thing 12 Games. And we try to be consistent with this. And uh Click Click Boom is on Kickstarter. Just go to kickstarter.com, look up Click Click Boom, and you can find it there. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, uh, hit us up on any of the social media stuff. I love talking to people. Um, if you have any questions or just want to talk about a cool game or or anything like that, let us know. Uh, I, I love reaching out and, and interacting with all of the, uh, the people out there in the social media lands. Mm -hmm. and, and Sean is super, uh, super responsive, unlike us, maybe for a lot of the time, but eh. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe if I was only sleeping three hours, I could do more on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. It's good to give up sleep. It's all good. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, yeah, yeah, there, you go, there you go. Jeremy <laughs> loves my resting turn. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy loves your goatee. I'll throw that out there. Thanks, sir. Appreciate that. <laughs> this, my wife hates it. Do, do you beard Which, oil? I don't. No, <laughs> no uh, I got it trimmed up. It was a little bit longer and a little uh, scruffier. Um, thinking about just letting it go a little bit longer and see if I could like do this like double braid <laughs> thing for what we do, Dice of Pirates. There you <laughs> like, go. That's a little thematic, right? <laughs> Tell her you've got to do it. It's, it's for work. It's you just have to do it. <laughs> exactly. This is board game related, honey. <laughs> mm -hmm. There you go. It's more, it's a, this is a marketing piece. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, one of the things that I do whenever I go out and do demos, um, I I try to be something that's interesting to look at. You know, I, I try and create a, an interesting and, and fun experience. So uh, when I do click, click, boom, I'll, I've got a you know cowboy hat and, and a red kerchief and, and that sort of thing. And uh <laughs> one of the one of the game designers that I was playtesting with, he's like, um, yeah, you're not allowed to make any kind of like princess style game because I really don't want to see you in a princess dress. Like, I know exactly that's a, what you would do. Like, yeah, I would. That's awesome. I have no shame. Hey, whatever works, right? Exactly. Oh, crap. All right, I'll throw out our stuff here too. Uh, if you like this podcast and all of our other cool stuff, uh, you can reach out to us and let us know at legendsoftabletop at gmail.com. We appreciate your questions, comments, and feedback there. Uh, we're on Twitter at Legends Tabletop. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Tumblr. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes. We're all over the place. Just punch us into Google. You'll find us somewhere. Uh, check out all the things. 
Um, we'll have links in the show notes for all Sean's stuff. Uh, you can check out the uh, the Pod Chaser beta. Use code Legends of Tabletop, all one word, all lowercase, and uh, hopefully leave us a, a rating or review there. Um, rate other people's podcasts. Go over to Board Game Alliance and give them a rating as well. You know, it's all about the community there. Um, we forgot to mention I did not do a commercial break mid-show, but uh, check out uh, Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. It's uh, birdscoffeecompany.com. It's freshly roasted craft coffee, and it doesn't just say that. If you put in an order today, it's probably going to be roasted over the weekend and be in the mail on Monday. That's how freshly it's roasted. Um, there is a Legends brew of coffee. Uh, all the things are not official yet, but if you shoot Neil an email at Birds of a Feather Coffee Company and ask him about the Legends brew, we can get – I say we. I don't do anything. It's just Legends. It's all Neil. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can get Legends branded coffee, which is pretty awesome. Uh, oh, man, I'm good for that. I got to do that now. <laughs> I've, I've sampled the test brews. It's really good. He's got a nice blend. It's a medium roast. Uh, I personally have been drinking the Night Owl blend. It's the only coffee I drink. We went on a cruise. I was going to bring my French press and coffee with me. And I'm like, we're on a cruise. They'll have good coffee. It was garbage. It was oh, complete no. garbage. I am totally spoiled by birds of a feather coffee. You've got to check them out. You're going to love it. You love Neil. I know you love Neil because you listen to the show and he runs like 12 games on the podcast. So you must love <laughs> So, so check them out, Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. Um, you're going to love it. I love it. You'd probably love it. I don't know. If you like coffee, you'll, I, you'll, you'll enjoy it. So check that out. Uh, thank you, Sean, for coming on. Uh, hopefully, we're gonna, you're going to see this thing funded. You've got plenty of time left and, and more than halfway there. So I'm sure that you guys are going to knock it out of the park. We have a bunch of different uh, demos that we're going to be doing out in the Seattle area as well. Uh, like this Saturday, we're going to be at Zulu's Board Game Cafe in Bothell. Uh, those are really great guys that started up a really cool like eatery, and uh, it looks like it looks like a D and D tavern. Which, it, yeah, it, the place you walk inside and you're like, this looks awesome. <laughs> uh, really like dark teak wood and and swords on the wall and armor pieces and it's really really dope. And the guys are super super nice. Um, so we're gonna be there. Uh, we're gonna be at Mock's Boarding House um, over in Bellevue the week after next uh, that Sunday. And I'm working on a couple other places that we're gonna be doing demos. So uh, if you are in the Seattle area, if you're gonna be in the Seattle area, then uh, there'll be chances for you to check out the game and and. We're also going to be doing some giveaways at those events. So, like at uh, at Zulu's, we're going to be doing a twenty dollar uh, gift certificate raffle for anybody that plays the game. You get a free raffle ticket, and you can either win uh, one of the twenty dollar gift certificates, or you can win a copy of uh, the Dice of Crowns playmat, which it looks really awesome. So, some cool stuff that people come in just come out and play our game. I mean, what's nice. more awesome than that? Awesome. So if you're up in the Seattle area, you want to make sure you go and check that out. Get to hang out with Sean, have a good time, play some cool games, and get some free stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, we appreciate thanks. you coming on again. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to all your listeners. Uh, definitely go out and give this guy five stars. He's awesome. Uh, he, he does a lot of hard work for, for all the listeners and uh, you know really cares about them. So give him some love back. 
we we love you <laughs> cool all right so thanks everybody for checking it out we appreciate it and we'll catch you next time this podcast is a proud member of the legends of tabletop broadcast network for more gaming related content please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com